Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Are the Bucks really missing out on some trades for defensive linemen? A lot of pushback from fans on social media. And Quentin Nelson, he's the best offensive lineman in the draft. We'll tell you why that he may be the right pick for the Buccaneers, and we'll play some of his interview from the NFL Combine. All that and more on Sports Day Tampa Bay. I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times, along with producer Steve Bursnick. Thanks for listening. We hope you make this a habit each and every day. Let's start with uh, the Bucks and just the amount of criticism they've gotten lately, especially on social media, as I mentioned. You know, over the, the weekend, sort of, well, during the Combine, I might say, there was a trade. The Rams dealt Robert Quinn, their defensive end, to the Miami Dolphins, and they did it in exchange for a fourth-round pick, and then they swapped sixth-rounder. So Miami, you know, got the Rams' sixth-rounder, which is a much lower pick, and then the Rams took theirs. And I was, you know, look, Quinn's a good player, and he's not that old. I think he's like 27, 28 years old, and he's still got a lot of juice in him. And so he's definitely a guy that was on the Bucks radar. In fact, I was told that they they watched a lot of film of him. There's reports that the Bucks offered a fourth rounder for Quinn. I can't confirm that. I don't know if that's true. I would imagine that they did probably make an offer with the Rams because this is the kind of guy that you get who's under 30 years old, still a very productive player. The Rams didn't think he was a fit for their defense. Um, you know, has a little bit of money left on his deal, two years left, I believe, and so. It was somebody that you certainly would perk your ears up if you thought he was available. And, um, you know, we, here's the thing, though, and everyone's jumping to the conclusion. There's a couple things wrong with the theory that you missed out on a player when it comes to trades, okay? Uh, this is – and, and the same holds true a little bit with free agency, but I always get a kick out of people who say, well, how did they let this happen? It sounds a little like John Gruden because he used to be famous for this when anybody would be traded and John needed a player. He'd just – you know, you'd be at – the combine and he just starts screaming about his GM. You know, it was like, how did Charlie Army do that for the Rams, man? Where's my where's my GM? Where's Rich McKay? What's he doing? And he's and that's essentially was his attitude. Well, that's the way fans are now too. Um but in the first place, the Rams could could send their player anywhere they wanted to. Okay. This is not you make the best offer, you got the player. It's not a it's not a waiver claim. Okay where you're the highest guy in the waiver wire, so if you claim him, he's yours. It's not how it works. So let's just assume for the practice, you know, the purpose of this is that that they offered them a fourth-round pick. Well, do we know that they sweetened it the way the Dolphins did by swapping six-rounders? Well, it doesn't seem like a lot on the surface, but it is a little extra. And in the case of the Bucs, because of where they're picking in the sixth round, they would have fallen 18 spots. I know it's the sixth round. I know a lot of six-rounders don't necessarily make your football team, but it's still something to consider if you're looking you know, for a number of players. The other thing is that we really don't know, did the Rams want to trade him to, the, to another NFC team? I mean, look, a year ago, no one was sitting here saying that the Rams are going to be a playoff contender, and they went out there and went 13-3 and under Sean McVay in his first season. 
a year ago, the Bucks were nine and seven and looked like the it team and were on hard knocks and everybody was picking them to win the damn Super Bowl. So, you know, if you're the Rams and all all things are equal, let's assume that they made the exact same offer. If you got a choice, why send them? Why send them to the NFC? You might have to face him one day. So that makes perfect sense to me. I'm just surprised that there's so much. You know, and this is the time, the silly season, right, where everybody wants to know, well, get somebody. Well, let's. What are we doing? Where's our GM? Well, rest assured, these guys are watching a lot of film. They're trying to figure out who's available in a trade. And by now, you know, a lot of these teams have called about certain players. And you got to make a decision as an organization. You place a value on that player. What do we think he's worth? And sometimes you say, well, are they really going to trade him? Is there, am I competing against myself? Or should we wait until we hit free agency? I think in the case of Quinn, most people realize they're going to have to there's a lot of interest. They'd have to come up with a draft pick. I, again, I, there's a report that the Bucks offered a fourth. I don't know if that's true. And if they did, I don't know that they made the same offer as the Miami Dolphins. Now there's another guy out there and Michael Bennett. Well, every Buck fan is familiar with Michael Bennett. And the mistake was, back in the day when Mark Dominic was GM, letting Michael Bennett out of here in the first place. You know, when we left Tampa Bay, he had, I think, led the team in sacks that year with nine. And... Basically, he signed a one-year, $5 million contract with the Seattle Seahawks. That's all he could find, a one-year deal with Seattle, because this was an undrafted guy, was just starting to come into his own. But the Bucks and Dominic absolutely wanted to clear the deck, um, you know, so that Daquan Bowers could become essentially the default defensive end at his position. And so they removed all competition. Now, if there was more to it than that, I'm not aware of it, but – that's that's sort of what happened when he went to Seattle. And, of course, we know he played very well, got a bigger deal. The rest is history, won a Super Bowl, went to a couple. And now Michael Bennett apparently is on the trading block. Looks like the Seahawks are going to trade him and try to keep Earl Thomas, another guy um, that's getting up there in age a little bit. But now Bennett's 32 years old, right? So how many, you know, how many 30-something-year-old defensive ends do you want to sign if you're the Bucks or just in general. I mean, you've got one right now, and Robert Ayers that's the same age, and he only had two sacks last year. So, you know, I'll say this. My experience is is that, you know, you don't sign a, a defensive lineman who's 30 and expect him to stay healthier and expect him to have more production. That just doesn't happen. This isn't baseball. This isn't Roger Clemens or Barry Bonds uh, or, for that matter, What, you, what you if know. they're on the TB12 plan? <laughs> I knew I knew you were going there. I was trying to avoid any I am not accusing TB12 of anything but high nutrients and uh so I'm saying, whatever. If Michael Bennett's on the TB12 plan, he might go up in sacks. That's possible. That's possible. I don't know what Tom Brady is doing. Um takes a lot of trips to Europe. I, I like I guess his diet works. It certainly has worked for him. But yeah, if you're not eating whatever that salad is that he eats or that, you know, those milkshakes, those green things. I don't even know what it is that he's drinking, but it's certainly where although I'll say this about Brady. When I was at the Super Bowl, and I've seen Tom way too much at Super Bowls because I've covered every one that he's played in, but he looked really thin to me. Like he's getting to the point now where it's like you're almost like, hey man, are you okay? Are you feeling all right? I mean, look, he looks great for his age, I suppose. I mean, the guy's 40, damn near 41 years old, but um, he's starting to look almost emaciated in some respects. You know what I'm saying? Like it just, it doesn't, now it doesn't look healthy. It just looks like you're on a diet. 
um, which of course he is. But maybe he's trying hey. to become like Giselle. I mean, that's the way supermodels kind of were built. <laughs> guess, I guess they can share a cornflake every morning for breakfast. I don't know what's going on, but uh, but yeah. So you know, at some point, Michael Bennett's going to sign. We're going to be traded somewhere, and I think it might be Atlanta. I was talking to a guy that covers them for ESPN uh, in Bon McClure, and and he's had some reports that. You know, yeah, they they have an interest now. Again, it gets it gets back to draft picks, compensation. What does Seattle want? Um, Michael Bennett is going to make around eight and eight and eight point seven million dollars or something like that a year for the next couple of years, which doesn't seem like that much money to be honest with you. But Dan Quinn is there, and Dan Quinn and Michael Bennett not only did what what Dan did when he was a defensive coordinator at Seattle make Michael Bennett a star in this league, so he knows absolutely how to use him. But on top of that, they're very very close. I mean, like their wives, the whole you know this is. This is not just your, your typical coach-player relationship. So when when Michael Bennett signs or is traded to the Atlanta Falcons and everybody loses their minds, okay, just remember a couple things. He's 32. He's not 22. Um, you know, and really it's up to Seattle where they want to send him. Maybe they'll, maybe they'll do right by Michael Bennett, who's been a very, very good player for them. Maybe they'll, you know, accommodate him if – all deals are the same. Clearly, they have a certain amount of compensation in mind. Um, they're not going to give the player away, but knowing that Dan Quinn is there, and they, they might they might do right by uh, by Michael. So, I just I, I find it interesting, and I'm not trying to to create any kind of like shade for Jason Light, but you know there are 31 teams out there that are not the Buccaneers, and all of them um, kind of figure into these deals. So, just because a player goes to another team. You know, if you need a defensive lineman, everybody throws their hands up and goes, what was our guy doing? Well, your guy was trying to get him, is from what I can understand. But, again, the Rams got to make that decision. So it's just funny to me. All right, so now let me tell you about the player that I just fell in love with as a player because I think he'd be just a perfect guy for the Buccaneers if they can't get the defensive end that they want. Notre Dame guard Quentin Nelson. To me, one of the top players in the draft, had an interview with him. He was on the podium. Before we get to that interview, let me tell you about an offer that we have from Audible.com. Sign up now and get a free 30-day trial membership. That's a $15 value. And as a listener to this show, you'll get a free audiobook. Just go to audibletrial.com. That's spelled A-U-D-I-B-L-E trial.com slash sports day to take advantage of the deal. That's audibletrial.com slash sports day for a free 30-day trial membership and a free audiobook. So, you know, there's, there are times when, and, and I, I have seen this guy on film, but until you meet a player, you really don't really kind of understand what he's all about. Um, and that's Quentin Nelson, who, you know, is, was generally considered the best offensive line. Of course, Notre Dame was voted the best offensive line uh, in the uh, college football this year. And they had, you know, they had a 1,400-yard rusher and all that. Um, they were very, very good. But Nelson, in particular, he's a guard. And that's what's unusual about this because typically – you know, your guards are not the ones that go in the top five or the top linemen. It's, it's, you know, the value charts are always this. It's always quarterbacks number one, okay, because that's what, that's what everybody's looking for is a franchise quarterback. After that, it's typically an edge rusher, somebody to come off the edge and kill the franchise quarterback because you have to stop the passer and you need a passer. And then after that, it, 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 if, if you're going to go with a, with a line position at least, um, left tackle is typically – because you need that for a guy to protect your franchise quarterback and stop the guy that they're paying a lot of money to to come off the edge and sack the quarterback. So 
that's sort of your value in the draft as far as like by position. Doesn't mean that's the way it goes all the time, but teams are typically looking for those those three players all the time. And and so, you know, for a guard to be considered in many cases people think a top 5 pick, certainly a top 10 pick, and if you're the Bucks, you hope he makes it to number 7, I think. Um and that would be that would be Quentin Nelson. So, uh, had a chance to 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 talk with him. He, you know, these guys gave us about oh, 15, 16 minutes uh, each each day. We'd have a chance to interview, you know, players by position, and of course, a lot of people interested in in uh, Quentin Nelson. So, what I love about this guy is his attitude, because that's the thing that that the Bucks offensive line, in particular, I think at times, is missing. And they they got some you know they got some guys Ali Marpet and some tough guys. I'm not saying that's not the case. You got to be tough to play in the NFL, but it's a mindset. Well, what kind of mindset does he bring to the offensive line? As a blocker, my mindset is being dominant. I want to dominate all my opponents um, and take their will away to play the game uh, by each play and finish finishing them past the whistle. Take their will away to play the game. And he says it with a straight face, no BS, um, almost comical in, in, in his delivery. It's just so, so. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. So monotone, but you can tell that he absolutely is that guy, and especially the tape backs that up. So what's interesting about him is that He's not afraid to have you call him a nasty player. Yeah, I would consider myself a nasty player. <laughs> Love that about him. Now, if you see him, if you see Nelson outside of his uniform without his helmet, um, it's it's sort of like somebody took a, uh, how would I say this, like took a choir boy and inflated him, if you will, into this massive giant dude. He's got, he, he's got like this... Uh, uh, I don't know, Jim McElwain sort of haircut, if you will. And he's very understated, very polite in his own way, but serious. He, I guess he used to be sort of camera shy. Um, but, you know, he is he is that guy that just does like to, to knock the will out of people. So you want to know what made him so nasty? He's the youngest of 39 nephews and nieces. Yeah, uh, growing up the youngest, it definitely shaped me. Just uh getting picked on by being the, the little, I guess, the little guy uh, in the family at the time. Um, and I love my family, and they, they've definitely shaped me into the uh, person I am today and player. Might have been the youngest. I'm betting that he wasn't the smallest for very long. This guy weighed 11 pounds almost when he was born, so I'm sure he grew very, very quickly. He's got an enormous uh, set of shoulders on him as well and, and like, a, I don't know, how 70, almost 80-inch reach. Uh, with his arms. What's interesting about him, as I mentioned, is that usually, you know, it's not the guard spot that goes in the top five or uh, is the top first lineman off the board. But, you know, Nelson made his own case why that might be changing, why guards in particular 
would be more valuable in some instances the way the league is going right now? I think I should be talked uh, in that regard, the top five conversation, because uh, you have guys that are dominating the NFL right now and Aaron Donald, Geno Atkins, Fletcher Cox that have just been working on interior guys and you need guys to, to stop them. And I think I'm one of those guys. Uh, you talk to quarterbacks and they say if a DN gets on the edge, that's fine. They can step up into the pocket and make a throw, um, which a lot, a lot of quarterbacks, if given the opportunity, can can do that. So um, that that's what I give is a pocket to step up in. And I think I also help the offense establish the run through my nastiness. And establishing the run also opens up the passing game. So that I think it's a good choice. Thank you. It would be a good choice. And, and you know, it's interesting he talks about stepping up in the pocket because if you look at some teams, particularly in the NFC South, whether it's the Atlanta Falcons with Matt Ryan and certainly, certainly the New Orleans Saints with Drew Brees, those are guys who are not going to get on the edge like Jameis Winston who don't really want to escape, have the escape ability. And so they, the way they build those teams, they value a, a very reliable big center and some really big guards that they can enable those guys to step up. Because remember, Drew Brees is like barely six feet tall, so he, he's on his tiptoes most of the time. So he wants to be able to, to uh, step up and have a clear path to his throw. So that's something that would benefit any quarterback, including Jameis Winston. But what you want from your lineman is a guy that has played more than one position. And the great thing here about Nelson is that, frankly, at Notre Dame, he played all of them. Well, high school, I played tackle um, my whole career. And uh, in college, my freshman year when I was redshirting, I was right tackle, left tackle, second string. Scout team, I played right tackle, left tackle, second string, going against good, good D linemen. Um, I got, got worked a couple times when, when I was younger uh, by then. But, uh, yeah, I, I believe I can play every position. I feel just as comfortable in a right-handed stance as I do a left-handed stance. So. so every player usually tries to pattern something from – a player that he sees on TV or somebody that he watches from the NFL. And there's a lot of nasty guards in particular that, in this case, Nelson has watched. I would say a lot of guys that have been the best players at their position had that characteristic of being nasty. Um, Larry Allen uh, and guys in the NFL like Zach Martin, Brandon Sheriff, KO, nasty football players. And those are guys that I look up to and I, I want to be like and play like. So I try to emulate that as best as best as I can. Um, I would say the nastiness, probably coming from being the youngest and uh, getting picked on a lot, had a lot of frustration to take out on the football field. Um, so, it, yeah, I, I, I want to play nasty. I play clean. I play clean, though. Yeah. He plays clean. That's good to know. So a lot of players use uh, sort of different training methods to uh, help perfect their game, especially with the technique that's used in offensive line play. Nelson takes Taekwondo. Uh, I thought taking Taekwondo would speed up my hands, which are, is very important at my position. In high school, my technique was very bad, and that's where Coach Heastan's develop, like, developing me as a player came in. But uh, picking up Taekwondo maybe now might help uh, – 
would help speed up my hands now that I know the technique of the offensive line play. And Nelson still has a lot to learn, and he knows it. He'd be an instant plug-and-play starter for any offensive line, particularly with Tampa Bay. But there are some things that he wants to work on. Things in my game that I want to work on is my technique and consistency, especially in the run game with my elbows. A lot of times they flare out. And you, you can generate a lot more power and just block overall better when your elbows are in and your hands are inside. And in pass pro, I would say something I want to improve is uh, to quit wrapping instead of just punching inside. Sometimes I wrap um, as like a safety thing, to, uh, but I, I just need to tr- trust the technique more. I'm telling you, if the Bucks, if it doesn't work out for them in the first you know, six picks in front of them and somebody goes like, like a Bradley Chubb or, you know, certainly you think Saquon Barkley might be gone. Some of the guys that, that they may have rated ahead of Quentin Nelson. If I'm a Bucks fan, I'd have no trouble with them taking this guy. I know he's not a defensive player and Jason Light has, uh, you know, not done a very good job of addressing the defensive line. But let's face it, this is a team that averaged 3.7 yards per carry on the ground last year. And if there's one way to help your defense – it's running the football, controlling the game, controlling the, the amount of possessions and time of possession, and also giving some you know real benefit to Jameis Winston and some balance on offense so he's not having to throw the ball 50 times a game. And so that will keep him healthy and just help your football team. So Quentin Nelson, definitely a guy to keep an eye on if he's there with that number seven overall pick. So a busy week uh, in Tampa Bay, especially at the Valspar tournament. Tiger Woods. All the excitement. Everybody's excited about Tiger coming. I don't know what day he's going to get in there, but the Pro-Am uh, was played. And the stars I guess are all, all the out. stars. Yeah. They all came out? Everybody came out? Hey, wasn't a Bucks coach there? Yes. Shouldn't Dirk he been Cutter. at the Combine? <laughs> no, I guess not. I mean, he took, from what I understood, he took a 5 a.m. flight. Okay, so he missed the cornerbacks working out, and Lord knows the Bucks could use a corner. But a couple of things about that. He's not the only coach on the staff that's at the uh, Combine, okay? I think Mike Smith, in fact, I know I ran into Mike Smith. I know he's there. I would assume that him and maybe Brett Maxey and some of the defensive you know, backs coach were probably there. And these things are filmed. So it's not like, you know, if you didn't catch it, you can always catch it not only on NFL Network but also on the replay that the league will provide you. And they got pro days for all these guys. So this isn't the only show in town. So – yeah, Dirk Cutter, being the offensive play caller, the head coach, had, I guess, agreed to play in the Pro-Am with, uh, with all the big stars like Rondi Barber and Vinny Testaverde and, um, I don't know, Mike Schmidt was out there and pretty much everybody that plays every year. So I don't know if it was anything different than normal. I mean, Tiger was not there today anyway. I don't know what day he'll come into practice, but um, I guess they got their parking spot ready for him when he does. And if you want to talk about March Madness, which is uh, just around the corner, here's some madness for you. Am I right? USF has won the men's basketball team two conference games in a row? That's right. They won at Memphis last week and then SMU Saturday as they head into the conference tournament this week in Orlando. I'm telling you, Brian Gregory, you're my coach of the year. I don't care. I don't know how many games you won. It's probably, what, 10, 12? I don't know. What did they win? Right around there. Right around there. Yeah. Yeah. So, look, all I know is you, you finished on a hot streak. Wouldn't it be great if they were like the Cinderella story that came out of that conference? Um, but good for you. Good to slowly starting to turn that thing around there at USF and a good way to finish the season. And then, of course, we have your Tampa Bay Lightning, the best team in the NHL, playing the Florida Panthers. That's on Tuesday. And could th- could Steve, this guess, be a playoff preview? 
that's what it, it looks like it could be, right? The, I guess the Panthers are one point out of the eighth final seed. That's correct. Behind Columbus. Yeah, that's and correct. So, and they have three games in hand on that on them too. So they're, they're so a that point looks out. pretty good. Yeah, and and if they finish the eight or the second wild card, then they would face the Lightning in the first round of the playoffs, assuming the Lightning finish with the best record. I'd be great from a rivalry standpoint and for the state of Florida to have hockey, you know, in, in that kind of a first-round game. There's only been sure one other time that both teams made the playoffs the same year, and that was uh, two years ago. And they were set to meet in the second round, except the Islanders upset the Panthers in the first round. So it ended up being a Lightning Islander series. Right. Well, hey, travel would be easy if they have that series. And I guess, like I said, it'd be, it'd be starting to form a bit of a rivalry. But I don't know how the Lightning – they got to play somebody – in the first round. I don't know how they'd feel about playing the Panthers. If that's a, I guess they're all dangerous. You get to the postseason, anything can happen. Well, we're going to have lots of uh, news and, and follow, of course, the Valspar tournament this week, the Rays. I guess the Rays got a new TV contract, of course, not long ago, or they're in the in the process of finishing up. Am I right? Every game is going to be on TV this year? Every, every, every game, game, 159 of them on Fox Sports oh, Sun and man. three of them on FS1. <laughs> wow. There was, you know, there's a time when you would get irritated that you'd find out that that those, you know, ten or twelve games or whatever it was weren't on the air, and you'd be annoyed. But we, it was great because we always listened to it in the radio, and uh, and now you get to watch all of them. Now that the Rays are really smoking hot and good, <laughs> I, I don't know how good they're going to be. They're going to, they're probably going to. I got them losing a hundred. I could. So be you're saying tanking that. got them every game on TV? Is that what you're? Is that what you're alleging? Well, I think the new, I think the new deal did. I think when you pay that much money, you better put them on the air because you got to charge the inventory. So that must be why they're on every game. But hey, that's good for race fans. If you can't make it down to the trop, and let's face it, a lot of people don't, um, you'll have a chance to watch them on TV. So every single game. So that's interesting. Hey, we thank you. As always, for listening to this podcast, we want your feedback, and we want you to uh, have a chance to reach us on Twitter. You can do that uh, at SportsDayTB. That's at SportsDayTB. You can reach me at Twitter, at NFL Stroud, and always by email at rstroud at com. like for you to rate and review this podcast if you get a chance. Where can they do that, Steve? You can do it anywhere you get your podcast, whether it's on Google Play or iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, SoundCloud, uh, any of those places you can rate and review. And then also it's always available on tampabay.com slash sports. And all week long we got more interviews from the NFL Combine of prospects and people that you know that you'll want to stay tuned for uh, this week as well as just updating all the news with the Lightning, the Rays, the Bucks, And, of course, now it looks like we'll have to follow USF basketball <laughs> as hot as they are. I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times for Steve Verstink. Have a great day, everybody. 